You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the classic <laughs> car show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And we've got one heck of a show on. Everybody should be interested in this. And uh, what we're going to be doing and talking with Stuart Haddon. And uh, he's in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And we all know what Hershey is. It's the home of classic cars. So with that being said, welcome to America's Web Radio, Stuart. Well, good morning, and thank you for having me. I will clear one thing up, though. I'm in Morgantown, just uh, east of, of Hershey by about an hour. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Not a problem. All you Yankees there, you're just up there, you know. <laughs> hey, I'm transplanted from the south, so okay. I, I'm from East Tennessee originally. Ah, well, we can send you, consider you a brother then. Oh, good. Good to know. Anyway, we've got uh, Steve Ronaldo here and Jim Weber, and uh, we've tried to get a basket of hardballs to throw you, but nobody could come up with anything other than uh, marshmallows. So we're not going to mm-hmm. we're not going to try to uh, get too much in it. Uh, who uh, uh, tell us about your your mall, your classic vintage car mall, and whose idea was it? Was it yours? Well, it was um, uh, my partner uh, uh, bought a mall because he had about 400 barn finds wow. that his he had no place to put them. But I, I say that in jest because he had lots of buildings, but his family kept telling him, you're going to have to pay yourself rent or, or you're going to have to find somewhere else to put your 400 barn finds. So he said he'd been watching this building, which is right on the turnpike in Morgantown, PA, and uh, he said he'd been watching it and watching it and had been on the market for a number of years, and finally he decided to pull the trigger. And then he said, well, I've got a lot of extra space because the building is 336,000 square feet. Good. And uh, 400 barn finds, although that's a lot of cars, uh, don't take up 336,000 square feet. So, what, 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 uh, what was a the, uh, friend of ours in the uh, classic car world uh, recommended he call me. He said, uh, I understand you might have some knowledge about something like this. And I said, uh, as a matter of fact, I already have a business plan for something of that scale. Kind of uh, in my spare time, instead of doodling on a napkin, I was writing a business plan on a building I would never have and probably never, ever get a chance to, to be in that scope and size. But by golly, if, I, if it happened, I'd be prepared. Did, uh, and, uh, what were they so we planning on using? We up in 2017 and opened the doors in January of 2018. Well, what were they planning on using that building for? Well, he originally when he bought it and put his barn finds in, he thought maybe he would lease it out to dealers and RV dealers and used car dealers and new car dealers and, you know, just a, a variety of anything that was automotive um, related because the building uh, lends itself well to that because, A, it's all one level and, B, it's on 40 acres with 25 acres of asphalt with frontage right on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Hey, Stuart, was that an outlet mall at one time? That's correct. It was built by Kemmons Wilson, the founder and uh, yes. uh, CEO at the time of Holiday Inn. And uh, he built it, and it was called Manufacturer's Outlet Mall, or Mom's Mall. And he also built a 188-room Holiday Inn that direct connected to the mall um, uh, at the time. And then it became a furniture outlet mall. 
And then a gentleman was going to buy it and do something and put a large down payment on it and did his due diligence and decided he didn't want to move forward, walked away from his large deposit, but the owner of the building had, I guess, asked all the tenants to leave, so we had an empty building, and it sat <laughs> empty for six years. And wow. so when my partner bought it, he thought they try a variety of things in here. Uh, ultimately, though, determined that uh, the classic car business was the right way to go. Yeah, I yeah, I, I was in that mall. Uh, I, I had family in Chester Springs at the time. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate because sometimes we get yelled at when uh, people come in here and want to know where the, uh, you know, the the department or the store that was there before that they bought their furniture when they were younger or they bought their kids clothes or whatever. Yes. Yeah. 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 That was a long time ago. You, Very many moons. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you specialize in in any particular era of car? I mean, is there something that you're? Well, I we 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 predominantly do. I'm looking at the ad in the ACA magazine. Uh, you're showing a '50s car. Right. Uh, is, um, we, is, we don't specialize in anything. Special interest, collectible, um, uh, you know, we we do late model stuff if it's something of interest, with, be it a Corvette or a special edition or a limited production. Uh, but our sweet spot is 60s and 70s and thirty to fifty thousand dollar price range. Although we have things for five thousand dollars and we have things for a million dollars. Oh, what's the million dollar car? Jim Weber wants well, to. Well, it's a Cobra, it. 289 Cobra, oh, aluminum bodied, that um, a gentleman bought back in 1980 and uh, has had it ever since. It's unrestored. And, uh, uh, you know, the market is. We've had the car for a couple of years and hadn't had, it, hadn't had any firm offers on it, but uh, it's certainly a draw for people to come in and see, to see a real Cobra because most people have never seen one in person. Yeah. What's the CSX number? Uh, twenty two thirty nine. Boy, you're really testing me this morning. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, hold on. I'll get it for you. I have my trusty computer, which makes me sound like an expert when I'm not standing in front of you. Twenty one thirty three. Okay. All right. All right. So it is a true two eighty nine. Good. Yep. It's a two eighty nine car, and it was the first car with a smaller badge on on the trunk. Which I don't know if that really means no. much of anything, but uh, it's certainly a fact whether it's yeah. an important fact or not i don't know they just ran out of the big badges <laughs> yeah so what was, i'm sorry i said they just ran out of the big badges <laughs> i i'd be a facetious yeah that seems to be the, the way things went back then so it yeah. still does actually <laughs> it still does, yeah yeah because both jim and i spent a career working for auto manufacturers uh, oh yeah! It's, well, you've certainly seen the other side of the coin, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was in the tech end and uh, the tech center, training centers, all that stuff. So it was a little different. So you're primarily fifties and sixties. Well, I say that's kind of our sweet spot, 50s, 60s, 70s, but we sell a little bit of everything. I mean, we've got a uh, the newest car I think we have in inventory right now would be a 2000 and. Oh, probably a 2018 Corvette, um, and then, you know, the oldest car would be, uh, I think, a 1904. 
1904 or 1905 Cadillac. So oh, a single cylinder uh, car, a little cool. bit of everything. Yeah, that's cool. How many do you have? Just got a curiosity. Uh, right now, we're at about 550 offered for sale. Wow, you got Boy. 550. Now, wow. now, do you do auctions there, or are you just primarily retail? We're primarily retail. Uh, we had talked of doing an auction. The problem that we have with an auction is, is that. If we were to have an auction, it would be a great and successful weekend, and we would sell 200 cars, and then we'd be 200 cars light of inventory in our retail side of it. So as much as we'd like to do an auction, I've been in the auction business for a number of years, the classic car auction business, and uh, as much as we'd like to do it, it kind of goes against a little bit of our business model. You know, most auction houses have an auction and then another one a couple of months later, so they have an opportunity during that time to re-inventory, if you will, through a new new venue in a new location. Uh, with us, um, we take in about oh, 85 to 100 consignments, and we're all consignments, by the way, 85 to 100 consignments a month, and, um, uh, you know, it would be tough to, to uh, refill the uh, canister, so to speak, uh, if we were to have an auction. Okay. Uh, go ahead, Jim. Well, uh, do you attend auctions to pick up consignments per chance? Oh, sure. I mean, we, we're at just about every automotive type event that we that makes sense for us, uh, mostly East Coast stuff that we do. I mean, I was recently at at uh, Carlisle, or, excuse me, Amelia for the Concours down there, and, of course, a couple of auctions were there. Right. Uh, we have a truck and trailer set up that we're at uh, um, different events at Carlisle, at Hershey. Um, uh, we're at uh, NSRA uh, up in York this weekend with a nice big setup. So we, and then we have little church parking lot shows as well too so we're we're kind of all over the place we we understand that that getting consignments uh requires us to be at places where where the cars are and so we're out doing that as well as hosting car shows and events and clubs here at our facility oh you do that that's kind of cool yeah, yeah just that, that uh, yeah exposure yeah one of the things i did when i was on the aaca board uh was i did a lot of stuff with the young people and trying to you know get the youth stuff going do you do anything special with kids or for kids younger people well we we the one thing that we do that uh allows families to enjoy classic automall all ages is that we never charge an admission to come in and see you know the almost 600 cars for sale and the 400 barn finds on display so you know almost close to a thousand vehicles in the building and we don't charge an admission we want families and and enthusiasts to be able to come here and enjoy it but the other side of the coin is is that we as i said we host car shows and, and club meetings where we allow the clubs or the car show to have an event here free of charge um all we require them to do is provide us you know the normal insurance certificate and things like that but they can have their club meeting in our lounge and and uh, food court area or they can have their you know small car show or large car show out in our parking lot and uh so uh that's that helps with the, the getting the youth generation to appreciate and see it. And the other thing that we're doing, and we just started doing a couple of months ago, uh, is that at, for everybody who purchases a car from Classic Auto Mall, we're, Classic Auto Mall is paying for a one-year membership for that person uh, to the AACA and uh, to get them encouraged to uh, uh, participate in that and shows and different things like that. And, and to also, you know, to help the AACA because, you know, the most of their members are, are older and uh, we're trying to help uh, get a newer, younger generation there. 
That sounds nice. That really does. And I resemble that fact. And you, we both do. (laughs) (laughs) Older is definitely a fact. Anyway, I think that's kind of a you guys have have a well-rounded and a a wide variety of of activities that you do. Yeah, I I heard you mention NSRA, National Street Rat Association. Uh, So you also do modified cars as well as original type vehicles. Absolutely. So, um, and I have um, car specialists that specialize in certain areas. They know a little bit about everything, as we all do, but uh, I have guys who specialize in street rods and hot rods. I have guys who specialize in Camaros and Corvettes and Chevelles and guys that, you know, kind of have a focus that, that their their pleasure, if you will, in the hobby. And uh, But, yeah, we have lots of hot rods and street rods. And, you know, of course, the tricky part with a hot rod or a street rod, it's a little tougher to, to peg a number of what the value is. Just because you spent X doesn't mean it's worth X. It might be worth less than X or significantly less than X. Um, so it's tricky to figure out the right price point. And what happens is is that, you know, somebody will, generally speaking, they'll bring us a car on consignment, and we tell them, look, you know, we'll try it at any price for the first 90 days, and that's what our, our, our term is. And then after that, we need to probably, if we haven't had any activity, we're on 65 websites worldwide. Uh, if we haven't had any activity, then, then more than likely it's because the price is scaring people off. Okay. All right, yeah, because I know what you mean about street rods. I, I Years ago, I had a... Uh, bought a car this guy started and finished and it was a Corvette Yellow 34 Coupe remember when they were the in things the 34 oh yeah yeah and and I had people come to look at that well I'd, I'd really like to buy this car but I don't like the wheels will you sell it to me right. without the wheels uh, We I hate the seats that you have in here you sell it to me without the seats I mean yeah, yeah hot, hot rods are tough because they're so personal right and we we find that we do better with the guy who doesn't customize it too radically. So the guy who brings us the 32 uh, high boy that's all black uh, with some generic, if you will, wheels and a a nice kind of normal interior, we tend to do better than that when one that... It's got custom stripes and flames and, and you know, all this different craziness and, you know, ostrich skin leather interior Ostr- and all that. So skin. we find that we do better with the ones that aren't as customized. Oh, as yeah, the and it's hard to catch an ostrich. I've tried. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's uh, hard. Stuart, I'm going to break in, and uh, we'll go to our first break. We'll be back with Stuart Haddon right after a couple of messages. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Hi, this is Rocky Blair former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. 
As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support, so please go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show with our guest, Stuart Haddon. And by the way, Stuart, uh, you're lady that answers the phone I believe that's Mrs. Howden most of the time or some of the time very nice lady and, oh great uh, I'm glad to hear that it's always nice to get compliments <laughs> on the staff and uh, um, we try to hire people that are personable and friendly this is supposed to be fun uh, it is a business uh, 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 unfortunately in some respects but uh, but we try to make it fun we try to remember that we're we're doing something that we enjoy and love and some days when you're having a bad day all you got to do is walk out or we actually drive out we, we drive uh, electric golf carts through the building to get from one end to the other <laughs> not because we're lazy and we are but because it just you just don't have enough time in the day to go from one end of the building to the other oh, sure. it sounds huge yeah. uh, it's uh, it is huge but anyway, uh, tell Ms. Howden hello for me. I, I, I sure will. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, all right. Sort of pursuing this, I, I have a couple of cars, that, and this is the Atlanta area, that I, I'm seriously thinking about selling. I have too many. Sure. Uh, and uh, they don't get used. And I want them to go to a home that uh, where these cars will get used a lot. They need to be used, and sitting around just doesn't do them any good, and having eight old cars is, is, is too much to keep up with at this point. So, first question. I'm here. How, do it I, uh, how would I get them up to you? If we I would make arrangements, to. which we do for most of our clients, whether they're consigning or buying, uh, to have the vehicle shipped to our location, either enclosed or open, depending on uh, the car, depending on uh, you know what type of time of year, the weather, that kind of thing. Um, the nice thing about our program is, is that we are, first of all, there's no upfront fee. There's no monthly fee. We only get paid when we sell the car. So, you know, our job is to sell the car for the most amount of money because the more money we get for you, the more money we get for us. And so we would make arrangements, let you know what the cost would be. Sometimes, depending on the car, depending on the situation, we might even cover the shipping and then take it off of the back end. We try to make it as pain-free as possible for the consigner. Say, look, hand us the keys and a copy of the title and when we're done, we'll call you and hand you a check for the title and the other set of keys. And everything in between we'll handle. Because, listen, you can sell your car on your own. There's a lot of things you can do on your own. But it's, it's a lot more work nowadays because most buyers 
unlike, not unlike what the question you just had, don't know how to go about getting shipping, don't know how to ba- go about getting collector car insurance or to the right place to get it, or financing, or any of the other things that, that happen in the process. And so I tell people all the time, certainly you can sell a car yourself. And Saturday night, you're at dinner with your family, and you get a phone call, and the guy wants to come look at your car, and, and he's going to pick it apart. Then he's going to want to give you a cashier's check, which are as good as gold until Monday morning when you take it to the bank. And they're not as good as gold. It's just a piece of paper. And so there's a lot of pitfalls in selling your own car. So if you've done it before and feel comfortable with it, then by all means, go for it. But more, t- more often than not, I'll get you more money in your pocket than you could have sell- could by selling it on your own. Okay. All right. Again, l- let's just pick my 37 Cadillac. Yep. All right. It's a 60 Series. It's a nice... Uh, Fair, Jim will tell you, it's a nice older restoration. Yes. Yeah, I drive my cars. They don't sit. They, they're, sure. they're gone. So they're going to have a couple paint nicks and, uh, you know, and, and stuff. I rebuilt the engine about four years ago. Uh, it's all original stuff. Uh, Ostrich skin, did you say? Huh? Ostrich skin. Yeah, ostrich skin, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so here's the first question. How, how would I know what I should value this at. So when I start I call up and talk to talk to, to you or or talk to Ernie Mead up here. Right. And say, look, I'm not sure I look online and I look at the the, the stuff I wanna put X amount in my pocket. Okay? And I, and I want to know if that's reasonable or not. How would I determine, through you, what I should actually expect without you seeing the car? Well, we, I mean, everything is, is in, in the collector car world, is a ballpark. You know, if you look at auction houses, the range of where they expect a car to sell can be a pretty wide margin. You know, it can oh, be yeah. twenty or $30,000 in between the low estimate and the high estimate, uh, solely because it's it's hard to predict what something that you're not looking at is going to sell for uh, until you get it here and look at it and make a determination. So what we do is we look at, okay... Um, what is the market bearing, which has no bearing on what you'll actually sell your car for, just so you know. Just because so-and-so sold one at so-and-so's sale doesn't mean that, that that's what yours is going to sell for. And no price guide ever bought a car. I mean, I've never seen money come out of one of these price guides. Uh, so they've never bought or sold one. So, And, and, and that's kind of tongue-in-cheek and cliche, and I don't mean to make it sound like that, but my point being is that your car is worth what you're willing to sell it for and somebody's willing to buy it for. And it's that simplistic. So, if a guy says to me, look, I've got a... 1970 Camaro, and the market on the 70 Camaro is anywhere between 25 and 55,000. Let's just say for numbers' sake. And you think your car is, you know, one of one because it's got a special engine and it's got this and that, and you think your car is worth 75,000. So, what we would say is look, the market says this number, but you think 75,000, so uh, we'll try it at 75,000 and we'll try it for our 90 day period, and then we'll see what kind of response we get. And if we get no response, then we know the market is, is spoken. Like I said, we're on 60 websites all over the world, plus our own website that gets a tremendous amount of traffic, and then our showroom, which sees thousands of people each month. So, 
if we haven't gotten any activity, generally speaking, it's price. So what we call and say is, look, we've gone 90 days. Let's roll it over for another 90 days, but let's lower the price incrementally. Let's go down, you know, if it's a $60,000 car, let's drop it down to uh, $55,000 and, and keep trying it. And, of course, we can do that during the process. We don't have to wait till the end of 90 days, but we can do that during the process as well, too. So uh, we make a determination that uh, it didn't sell. Let's let's uh, see if we can uh, uh, lower the price and get it sold. We don't want to lower it too much because then maybe you've got a guy who's willing to pay a little more, and we lowered it right past what the amount he was going to pay. Yeah, it, it's really it's really difficult uh, because my sort my eye or what I I think is worth may not even be close to what reality is. And before sure. I would do this, I, I would really like to know what I can expect. And the only the only thing that I know, like how many thirty seven Cadillacs get sold during the year? Not many. Not so, very many. So you don't have, um, you, you don't have this, even this price guide guideline to take a look at NADA or to look at the Blue Book or look at all these other things to even have any idea. But I, I had because I'm, I'm. This is one of the cars I'm going to probably get rid of. Sure. Um, I had a friend of mine who's an appraiser and not he's a He came over and did an appraisal on the car. So I have that guideline, and w- just generally, uh, uh, what do you think of the value that an independent uh, appraiser, I mean a certified appraiser working for International Vehicle Appraiser Network, Ivan, uh, says, what would, you, what would you consider that if I call your guy and we start talking, what would you consider that? Is a, it sort of a good place, bad place? Who knows? I mean, a good place, but but re- remember this: the the diamond ring that you bought for your wife, you paid a certain amount of money for it, or you stole it, whatever you however you acquired it. It's got a value. <laughs> I got it from a guy in the corner. Do you want to buy a watch or a ring? <laughs> exactly. So, let's say you buy a diamond ring for ten thousand dollars. Let's just throw that out for the rich people that are listening. Um, you go and get that ring appraised. How much is it going to appraise for? Generally speaking, it's going to appraise for fourteen or fifteen thousand dollars, sixteen thousand dollars. That's what they would consider the replacement cost. Nobody would ever pay you that much money for that ring. If you took it to the local ring place, they wouldn't give you that much money to buy it from you. So, it's certainly a reference point. However, you know, for example, we have a nineteen thirty six Cadillac sixty coupe uh, that's. You know, nicely restored, really well done, um, black and, and, and with burgundy fenders and burgundy uh, side mount covers. And it's priced in the 80s, and it's been here for about 180 days. And the reason being is because it's probably a little bit higher than it may have been worth that one day, but it doesn't appear to be worth that today. Okay. So... So, just say that that my car, uh, the appraisal was thirty-five because it's a right. four-door sedan. It, it 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 was you know the one they called the doctor's car. Everybody right. called it the doctor's car. Um, it was thirty-five. What what could I actually? What what would you expect 
realistically to start at on that car? I would start it at, at, at the asking price to be maybe just a little bit lighter the appraisal, 31.5, 32.5, somewhere in there, expecting the car to sell probably somewhere between 25 and 30. Okay. I just wonder, because I've been thinking about what to do uh, uh, with this stuff, and I've, I've never... Uh, never really done this. Usually, the cars I sell because I know enough people, they'll say, "Yeah, I've always wanted that car." Sure, here. Sure. You know, I, so I've never, never really had to to do this. But in today's market, and that's the next uh, section I want to get into. Um, it, it's hard. It, it's hard to for an individual to sell these, you know, special interest type vehicles. It it sure. is hard. Well. Because you got to remember that in the old days, like you said, and I don't mean that long ago when I say the old days, but let's say, for example, you're the you're a member of the AACA, and you go to all the clubs and shows, and everybody knows who everybody else is, and everybody knows what car you have, and you, like you said, there's a couple of guys who've approached you over the years and said, hey, if you ever want to sell that car, or if you haven't had that, you put it in the AACA newsletter, and you get a call within a day or two, and the guy says, oh, I remember that car, and I'll take it, and I'm going to buy it. Well... The problem being, is, as we've discussed earlier, is the AACA membership guys are thinning the herd, not adding to the herd right now. So you don't have that market. So now how do you go capture a different market of maybe a younger person who is into these type of cars? Well, you got to be out there where they are. And that's all over the world on all of these websites, be it Hemmings, ClassicCars.com, Auto Trader Classics, eBay. And America's uh, Web Radio, don't forget them, and the Classic Car Show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, bring a trailer. You know, there's all these uh, all these different uh, avenues for that. So, you know, it's uh, there, there's different ways to skin a cat these days. And, and or, you know, the problem is, is that if you took your car, your 37 Cadillac, and you put it out on all the marketplaces that I put it, you'd be writing a check for a marketing fee of probably $2,500 to $3,000. Sure. And no guarantee that it's going to get sold. Okay. Yeah, that, that, yeah that's, that's a good point. You know, uh, here I know a lot of the guys we have, what are the One is Street Side, and what's that other one? Uh, gateway. gateway. Ga- yeah, Gateway. Yeah, we have those guys here. And some people say they're 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 the same sort of a thing you are uh, in some degree, I would imagine. But some guys here say, oh, man, that was the best thing I ever did. And then some guys say it's the worst thing I ever did. <laughs> I well, it, I think it's like anything. First of all, in this business, because you're dealing with old antiques, generally speaking, cars that are older, that conditions and perceptions are can be two different things. So that's the problem that you run into. You can do your best to describe a car. And when we describe a car, when we put it out on the market, we are brutally honest about the car, good, bad, and ugly. Story. So, but yet there's still going to be things from time to time that we're going to miss for whatever reason we didn't see or it wasn't seeable or it was something that's just starting to go wrong. So, you know, you have to be careful with that because... Managing expectations are one of the most important things you can do in the classic car sales, auction business, consignment business, whatever. Because people have an expectation that these cars are just perfect and that, wow, that car is beautifully restored and it'll need nothing. And so, the, Stuart, the let fact me, of the matter is they all need something. Stuart, let me ask you. You've got a car that I'm interested in, so I fly up to uh, Morgantown and come out to your... your uh, <laughs> humongous uh, <laughs> building 
And, uh, okay, so I'm interested in that 36 Cadillac. Can I drive it? Well, you can if we've done about five or six different steps to get to that point. Number one, you put a refundable $500 deposit on that car. That means that you've shown enough interest and enough that you're willing to put a refundable deposit down on the car. We've come to a purchase price agreement. We've done a full inspection of the car, walk around on the lift, underneath, you know, the whole nine yards. We've agreed to a price, and we've agreed to, um, um, you know, that you're going to buy this car based on if it does everything that we've said that it was going to do because you've had a chance to look at it physically and visually and now then we'll take it out in our parking lot and go for a little ride we don't leave the parking lot uh but we take it out so you can at least get a feel for it and sometimes we don't even allow them to drive depending on the car um you know if it's something that's temperamental if it's a race car if it's something with a high horsepower uh then we'll take you for a ride but Generally speaking, we don't do very many test drives because most of our buyers are from long distance. Hmm. Uh, okay. uh, that makes sense. So you, you don't have any offy powered indie roadsters there I can come up and test drive? <laughs> We're not your bucket list. Ah, okay. well, yeah, yeah. I did that once. It wasn't yeah. an indie. It was a sprinter, an yeah. offy sprinter. But yeah. that, that was anyway. Okay, now getting back. Yeah, I know it's getting time for a commercial too. You're, yeah. Why, why don't you want to do a Let's, commercial, yeah. Dave, and then we'll come back? We'll come back right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Hi, I'm Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, In this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value. Uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride, call J C Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. And we're back on the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo, Jim Weber, and our special guest, Stuart Hatton. And um, how many football fields could you put in your warehouse? 
Uh, that would be six. Six. <laughs> and we 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 could have we could do some of the uh, semifinals, if you will, all going <laughs> on at the same time. Well, would you? Uh, will you take one of my football fields on consignment? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can figure out a way to make most anything collectible, special interest, or whatever. You know, yeah, I know it's just a 2017 Camry, but you know, you did put an aftermarket air cleaner on it, so <laughs> yeah, I got that K and N sticker on the yeah. open the hood up. Yeah, we, we got exactly. a we got a 1946 Ronaldo. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Back to my a couple of the other questions, and then I, I want to talk to you about the just what's going on in general. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you this Cadillac. Uh, would it be smart of me to have the car detailed very nice before it went up there, or would it be that that I can pay you guys to touch up the car and to polish this and do this and do that is that you offer that service along absolutely so what we like to do is and the nice thing about us detailing the car versus you is we all know you want to learn more about a car than you'll learn about it in any other way is wash it yes you learn so much about the car and the condition and the under and places that you're looking that you wouldn't normally you know when you walk up to a car it's very hard to be objective when you look at a car and to talk you know you want to talk yourself into it not out of it so that's the thing that we try to do for our clients is is i tell my i have six car specialists so six guys who are answering the phones and emails all day long and the, most of the buyers who are from long distance or far away will ask us, can you do a walk around of the car, a video, and tell me about the car? And I tell my guys that during that time period, you work for the guy on the other end of the phone, not me. So that means you tell him everything that you see because I don't want you to avoid something only to find him showing up here in a week later and now you're, you haven't told him the truth. So you work for him and you do that walk around and you tell him every scratch you see and you tell him if there's a little rust bubble in here or there and you tell him that delamination of the windshield so the way we learn about that is obviously we inspect the car uh but the detailing really helps that our detailer is really good at pointing out things to us that we you know could easily have not seen had we not been able to to look at it in that perspective Uh, do you guys do like little touch-up of nicks and stuff yeah we do very minimal um work on the vehicles here minor touch-up replace a battery um sure that kind of thing if it requires anything that you're tearing something apart or breaking down at this or rebuilding no, a car scratches and scratches and scratches and dings out. just scratches and dings little yeah. a few all right here's a, here's one other thing now in this car i do all my cars drive i like touring more than i like car shows sure. so again i'll stick with the cadillac i've got a, a couple things that and I've got a lot of extra parts, a lot of manuals to go with this stuff uh, uh, that, you know, I, I would like to have the buyer have. But, right. like, I've put <clears throat> an electric uh, auxiliary fuel pump on it to get the car started when it's, when it's hot with, this eth- with the ethanol gas issue. Secondly, I have a switch for a, uh, a pusher cooling fan if you get stuck in traffic. That I and a couple other things I need to I need I would need to talk to the owner. Is that possible with your your business? Well, yes and no. We're okay with it. It's whether the seller or the buyer is okay with it. Some people are very private and don't or and and like the fact that we're handling the sale and they don't have to ask questions because 
you got to understand, when we take a car in, not only do we have you fill out a form that you tell everything about the car, most of the time, the guy, so we have almost an assembly line when the car comes in. The car comes in, it goes to our detailer. He details the car, gets it all ready to go if it needs it. If it doesn't, it's a spiff, a wipe down or whatever, you put it to the next guy. The next guy is the guy who does the specs. He's the one who takes the VIN number, makes sure it matches the title, checks the engine numbers, checks the, the trim tag numbers, checks all the numbers of what the car is, also is checking condition uh, for rust or bondo or anything that might have with the car. Then it goes to our photographer where he takes pictures in our dedicated photo booth and then puts it up on the lift and takes undercarriage pictures. And then it goes to our writer. And uh, our content editor is the guy who writes the description of the car based on all the information we fed him. And generally speaking, he'll call you again. So what we want to know is everything that goes with the car, everything that you know about the car, every bit of history about the car, every, you know, extra part, pieces, whatever. What are the starting instructions? Where is the hidden switch where I, I can turn the fuel pump on? Where is the hidden disconnect so, you know, you can click it off and nobody will steal your car? We have have a st- we have a whole set of paperwork that asks just on starting instructions. Is it a 6-volt? Is it a 12-volt? Uh, does it have an electric fuel pump? If so where? Where's the gas? You know, where, how do you put gas in it? Is it in the trunk? Is it behind the you know the tail light on a on a Bel Air? Yeah, some of those things. Yeah. Uh, so we we go through all that. So generally speaking, we we have gleaned every bit of information from you that you know about the car and have then passed it on to the new buyer uh, or the potential new buyer. Okay, that 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 that's fair. That uh, see, these are these are things that I I didn't know that I've been thinking about doing something like this, and I had no idea uh, about this stuff. And I'm sure most of the people they know of places of your your business or other similar places, but they don't know what it's all about. And if you go up there, what you get to the local ones here is you, you get a sales guy who just uh, you know they might last week they were selling shoes right exactly yeah. uh, uh, start as, as a car comes in and you you said you have six specialists uh, does one of your specialists adopt that car and he's the one that uh, knows the most about it or do you try to have all or have everybody know as much about all of the cars as they can we try to get everybody to know. We have uh, a really great back-end software that allows us to have not only the description that's out to the public uh, about the car, but also all the specs that our spec writer has done, all the dirty details of of everything that, that don't always fit well into a description. Uh, it's, not, it, it's not information that we're hiding from people. It's just information that most people don't care about. There are certain instances where people care about certain details that are in within that software. So, yes, they sort of adopt cars, and they know if they get a phone call about a hot rod, then they know to go see our hot rod guy. Uh, I'll tell you a funny thing, too, is that we don't hire salesmen. The guy who can sell ice to an Eskimo doesn't get to work here. We hire guys who are enthusiasts. We'll teach you how to sell. You know, that, that that's the easy part. You've got to be enthusiastic about these cars, and you've got to have an appreciation for these cars. It, it's not just a, a commodity that you're selling. We're not selling widgets. We're selling something that, that's emotional, that pe- nobody needs any of these cars that we have in our building. You don't need a 57 Chevy to get your kids to school on Monday morning. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you, on, on both sides of the fence, what's your return rate? Uh, if I've 
sold a car through you, do I come back when I have another one to sell? And if I've bought one from you, when I've sold that one or or won another one, what's your return rate on both sides of the fence? Very, very high. So what happens is is that we get the buyer who buys one car because he's got one garage space. And so he uses that for six months or eight months or however long he feels. And then he comes back and he has us sell that one for him, and then he buys another one. Then we have guys who have collections of cars, and they bring us you know, maybe three at a time. So uh, we'll get three, and then a month later we'll get three more. And then we got the guys who just walk in and buy a car that are new to the hobby that realize that, you know, they bought a four-door sedan, maybe like a 37 Cadillac, and now they want something, now they want a convertible. So now they want to step up a little bit. So we get repeat business like you wouldn't believe. Um, We get people that have bought cars from us starting from day one, which was January 1st of 2000. 2018, uh, and then I have clients from even prior to that that have continued to buy cars from us. So it's it's really high. Um, and what happens is is that the recommend the what well, what happens more often than not as much money as we spend on advertising, which we spend as much on advertising as anybody in probably in the world in the classic car business, uh, especially out of a single location. Our best advertising is the guys who bring their buddies here or they tell them about our place because what happens is. When we don't charge an admission for people to come in, they come in, they're impressed by the place, so they go home and they go back and tell their three buddies, and the next week, and here comes the guy who was there last week with three new guys. And so that's our best form of advertising, as is that with any type of business. But but you haven't tried America's Web Radio yet in the classic car show. Well, I, I you know I asked for an advertising kit a couple months ago. I never heard back. So you're kidding. <laughs> Just teasing. <laughs> no. All right. Here's one thing you keep mentioning is title, title, title. A lot of the states, especially southern states, are not title states for cars 25 years old and older. For example, again, I'll go back to the Cadillac. I do not have a title certificate on the 37 Cadillac because it's not required in this state. So. Before I were to put together a deal with you guys, should I, would it be smarter, better for me to go ahead and try to get a state of Georgia title on that car? We can sell them either way. So we, what we require when we sell a vehicle is to see a copy front and back of the title or registration. Uh, most states understand that Georgia and Maine and Vermont and whatever else states don't have titles on 25. They can have titles, but you can you don't have to necessarily have a title. So that's understood through most states. So we never really have much of an issue with that. Okay. Where we run into the biggest issue that we run into, and this will may or may not surprise you, but the biggest issue that we run into is the title or registration not matching what's on the vehicle. So what happens is is that in Pennsylvania, for example, if you buy a car from out of state, it used to be you had to do a tracing of the VIN number, and that had to match what was on the title that you were bringing from the other state. Now they don't require that. So I get cars all the time that they'll be one digit off, or the B will be an 8, the S will be a 5, or a 2 is a 6 or a 7 or whatever, because most people, when they buy a classic car, don't ever take the title, walk out to the car, 
find the VIN number on the car and go, okay, the one one three seven eight two. Okay, one one three seven eight two. That matches. Most people don't do that. When they find out, is when they go to sell the car or take it to an auction or take it to a place like us, and we say, oh no, the title and the registration or the registration don't match what's on the car, or. The car has a VIN tag that was made down at the local trophy shop that's a little brass tag that's got numbers stamped into it. Most states won't accept those anymore. Okay. Uh, How do you handle fraud like that, Stuart? Well, I mean, by being very diligent. So we sold a Cobra kit car to a gentleman in California. And this was about the second month we were in business here. Not our second month in business forever, just our second month in business here. So we've been doing this for 20 years. But we were new as an organization with new people and all that good thing. So we sent a car to California that there was no VIN stamped on the car anywhere. So $6,000 later, the shipping out there and the shipping back, we got the car back had to go through the process of having uh, the state police come out and inspect the car and blah, blah, blah. And long story short, we finally got a title for it and all that. But it was $6,000 out of pocket. So to answer your question, we don't make that mistake anymore. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but there are instances where, um, you know, a car could be stolen. You know, there's, there's a whole bunch of things that could, that could yeah. go wrong. And that's, that's why you're better off to let somebody like us sell your car. And, and I'm not saying this any reason other than because there are a lot of pitfalls with this. What if the VIN doesn't match? Now what are you going to do? At least with us, once we see the car and the title, we can say, oh, let's stop here. We need to get this fixed because this VIN number doesn't match what's on the car. And if the car is coming from a long distance from Georgia to Pennsylvania or from California or Texas or wherever, generally speaking, we'll ask you to take a picture of the VIN, send it to us ahead of time with a copy front and back of the title so we can put our eyes on it, make sure that it's a valid VIN that's going to pass all the regulations in, in any state and that it matches what's on the title because probably about we consign about 90 to 100 cars every month and out of those there's about usually about 10 percent literally have a problem with the title where it does the numbers don't match the title to the car Stuart, you just uh brought up a thought to me have you all considered because obviously one of your big costs has to be transportation but have you all thought about and and like you said me bringing you a car makes sense in that you've gone through the pitfalls or the in pennsylvania the potholes that will swallow a car or you know but you all know your business have you all thought about or are you thinking about franchising your operation we probably wouldn't franchise it as much as we would just expand, and we wouldn't go to the level that some of our competitors are doing, but we might look at a, a location somewhere in the south. Um, more than likely it would be Florida, only because, you know, there's a huge market of, of cars in, in, that, in that area. And they got some and of the best rust going. What's that? They've got some of the best rust going. Yeah, absolutely. So we've thought about that, but we would maintain the control of it if we did. We we don't want to get into the situation where we've got 15 locations across the country. I don't want to be on an airplane every, every other day going to another location. And what we've determined is that 
we're really good at what we do where we are. So there's a lot of cars in this part of the world. I mean, within 100 oh, miles yeah. of where I sit, yeah. oh, it has absolutely. to be one of the largest concentrations of classic cars you could ever imagine. There are just so many cars in this part of the world. And so there's almost an endless supply of us for, for uh, uh, consignments, as well as our competitors to have consignments as well, too. But, you know, it's funny. People people don't always think about shipping their car to a consignment house but what i always say is look there are guys who ship their car from pennsylvania to california to a reserve auction and if it doesn't sell they got to ship it home again and they basically have 90 seconds on the block we give you 90 days the first time and then we can roll it over again for another 90 days and another 90 days you know so you get a whole lot more swings at the bat so to speak Okay. Hey, one last thing. I know we're we're getting close. Uh, overall f- condition of of the collector car hobby, selling value wise, would you classify it as? I got my COVID shots. Uh, two, I'm in ICU. Three, I better call my call the funeral home. What do you think? <laughs> The market is very strong right now. We're having a hard. We're we're selling more than our business model was always to consign more than we sold. Obviously, so we had an, an unlimited supply of inventory. Uh, we've got the ability to handle about fourteen hundred cars in the building. So our goal was always to consign more than we we sold. However, last month we sold one hundred and eight cars, which blows my mind because my wife and I always said, "Boy, if we could sell a car a day in a month, we would just." die and go to heaven you know that would be the greatest thing that we could do just to sell 31 cars in one month we sold you know we sold over 100 cars in in one month so the market is very strong certain segments of the market aren't so strong but i think people realize during the covid and and everything that has happened up to this that no better way to socially distance from people than to drive around with you and your family in a classic car you know you're not you don't have to get within six feet of another person if you don't want to if you're just cruising around and uh, and i think a lot of people were just at home and they were bored and just hitting the uh the you know the the enter button on their computer yeah so you think things are pretty good uh, you know you hear if you look at the like even aaca website social security website it's all just gloom and doom and doom gloom i'm really down yeah, I mean, listen, there are certain segments. Uh, you know, a 39 uh, Ford Deluxe Convertible used to be a $50,000, $70,000 car. They're not dollars $70,000 anymore. But other segments of the market are strong. They're still selling. They're just not selling at the same price point. So the, the, the what we have to do is educate people uh, sometimes, uh, and it's painful because if they pay too much and or – you know the widow who comes to us, whose husband on her on his deathbed said, "You know, don't take less than sixty thousand for the car." Uh, yeah. <laughs> they get that in their head, and it, and it's not oh, yeah. always based in reality, unfortunately. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. So, I just just wonder what your your thoughts were on, and this is your business. What you what you thought the you know overall condition is? I understand certain cars are not doing well. Sure. And back in the day, you'd watch the Barrett Jackson off, and you see a '57 Chevy convertible sell for one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Sure, but those days are long gone. Long gone. Yeah. But overall, the market is strong now, especially cars that have 
and this is this is kind of a you know broken record that we've heard all along. Documented cars with provenance that you can you can track. Uh, you know uh, the ability to say that this car is got the original engine, original this, original that is very important. And we are really do our best to try to figure out if these cars are real or not. And we are very careful in how we present them uh, based on originality, based on if it's the original motor, if it's the original transmission, um, original paint, that kind of thing. Unless you've known the car from new, it's very difficult to know some of these things, but we do our best to represent them properly. And the cars, the studs out there, the ones that the 67, 427, 435 horse Corvette we just got in that's got 22,000 original miles on it. It's one owner from new. Got both the soft top and hard top and side pipes from the factory and documented, documented, documented. That car is going to break the bank. Uh, the one that's got the questionable motor that's, uh, you know, doesn't have the stampings on the block, doesn't have this, that, or the other, is not going to do so well. Yeah, you mean the one with the Moroso valve covers? and uh, <laughs> Moroso. Boy, that'll date you when you say that. <laughs> I used to date his daughter. Anyway, no, oh, but... That's a whole other show. Oh. <laughs> then we can't air. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But anyway, it was really super. I, I learned a lot. Let me kick this idea around in my head a little bit and decide what I'm going to do, because I've got two or three that I, I sure. really would like to go away. Well, we'd love to help you, and 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 just to tell all the listeners, you know, our website is is uh, classicautomall.com, and uh, you can go to our website, see all of our inventory. We're on all the websites all over the country, and uh, uh, we encourage anybody who's got any questions, they can call and speak to any one of our car specialists here. Be more than happy to give them all the the details of how it works and 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 what the process is, and it's. It's um, you know it's a pretty pretty we try to make it as as easy as possible uh, for the consigner because a lot of times it's an emotional thing too a lot oh, of people very are much very attached so. to their cars very much so you know we had a guy one time who came and said I, I've got to have my truck back I I'm, I can't sleep at night I can't eat I don't know what's wrong I, 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 he said what should I do I said well you should see a specialist but then you should yeah. you know, get your truck <laughs> and then a day later he brought it back and he said. I'm still having the same thing when I brought the truck home, so it's not the truck. <laughs> I think it's the, I think it's the um, lady next door. Is yeah, what I think it is. Yeah. Okay, on that, those two notes, uh, we're going to have to wrap it up. And uh, thanks, Stuart Howden, for coming on. And uh, Stuart, many times, if it's been a good show, we always ask the question: Will you come back? Absolutely, I'd love to. I had a great time. It was a pleasure speaking to you both, and uh, it's always nice to talk to uh, fellow car uh, enthusiasts. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.